0: This is the EWN Podcast Network. When life and business is chaotic, it is hard to see the beauty that comes from it. But I'm here to tell you, you are not alone. I am your host, Ashley Stone, and I am your chaos coordinator. I believe there's always a message in the mess we can experience in our personal lives and in business. So join me on the journey of running multiple businesses, self-carrying it up and designing a life for my family. This won't be just my story. It will be the many stories of remarkable women that have inspired me and will inspire you to discover the beauty behind the chaos. Hey beauties, my name is Ashley Stone and I'm your host of Beauty Behind Chaos, where we unpack all of the chaos and find the beauty on the other side. And today we have a guest that is remote, but um, she is a very dear friend of mine and just uh, a mother, a businesswoman, uh, just a creator of all things, much like myself. And that is why we're like sisters. So thank you so much for being here, Tiff.
1: Welcome. Thank you so much, Ashley. I'm so happy to be on this podcast today. Yes. And talk about things.
0: All the things. We're going to dig into all the things, I am sure. We only have 45 minutes, so I, I have to be mindful of time because I know we could sit for hours. True. I'm so excited. So so Tiff is actually located in Connecticut. I'm here in Texas. So it's so sad to, to leave in part ways, but we have stayed in touch over these past couple of years um, through my move. And uh, we've been just following and cheerleading each other's journey. So
1: just share a little bit, Tiff, about who you are. What do you do? Yeah, definitely. So my name is Tiffany Morsi. I'm a proud Latina mom. I have two little children. My son, Ryan, is five, and my daughter, Amelia, is two. I am a healthcare executive by training for the last 10 years in corporate healthcare management. And recently, I have pivoted to launch my own PR firm called Monarch PR. And it's such an incredible evolutionary story about that because I really believe in the power of mentoring and networking. And through my networks, I went from deciding a career change given the pandemic and COVID, as you know, many healthcare workers um, felt burnt out <laughs> that yeah. I had to kind of do that self-reflection of like, is this still what I want to do? How do I want to keep in touch with healthcare, especially also having my public health degree and public policy degree as my education training? So through discovering my, my love of connecting with people and starting Modern PR, I was then given the opportunity to uh, lead uh, the healthcare council for the state of Connecticut. And that was now my current role that I'm doing in addition to Monarch PR, but it's just been wonderful having the ability of when you really manifest and put things out there and you have great relationships with people and networks, it's incredible to just see how people support you.
0: Yeah, I love that. And and you said a couple words that were like keywords in my life, which is pivot and having the ability to pivot and know when it's time to do that. And I'm sure um, a lot of times, like when things are in crisis, seems to be seems to be a time when we're like, uh, what are we doing here? And is this, is this really what I want to be doing? So sometimes it's in those moments. And then other times it's just like, you kind of have, you know, done as much as you could where you are. And there's other things we want to explore and do. And so there's many different ways to go about pivoting, but I love that you connected a lot of your like strong skill sets, um, mm-hmm. and applied that into the next thing that you're doing. Um, so So with that, because you do, you're like me, you do many things because I want to chop up some of the stuff that you, that you do and talk about each one in different ways. But as far as being in healthcare, I know, and I I know the inside scoop and just in terms of just your journey, but being in healthcare, being in in an executive role and being a female, what was that like?
1: So when I first was able to understand when someone asked you, what did you want to be when you grow up? I used to say, I wanted to be a doctor and that was because growing up, that's all I saw was what. I had as an option for a career when you wanted to help people and work in healthcare. And so in college, I applied for medical school and it was during the big 08 recession. So it was a very competitive year because people were going back to school and I got waitlisted and I thought it was like the end of the world for me. But actually, it was a blessing in disguise because I was able to apply for grad school while waiting to apply to med school again. And I found out about the role of public health, which is a very buzz term now. But back 10, 15 years ago, people <laughs> had no idea what public health was. Yeah. And so... I learned about um, an administrative fellowship. And so our professors in our program were like, Oh, this is very competitive for grad students who want to become in management at an early, early, early stage in their career. And I'm like, I want to be an administrative fellow <laughs> so bad because for me, like you, I like to, I like to be smart and quick and also find the fastest track to get there. Yeah. And so. I applied for many fellowship opportunities across the country, and I ended up in Waterbury, Connecticut, where I was then part of the executive leadership team for St. Mary's Hospital, located in uh, the Trinity Health of New England system now. And they brought me in. I had another co-fellow, another fellow, Kathleen Rush, who was like my work wife, and they taught us all the inner workings of how to run a hospital. They involved us in board governance. That was where I started to learn the importance of what boards do and how they strategically help organizations and and facilitate trust and build that community. Um, that community will where the, it's like you know organizations can do things, but if the community doesn't support it or believe in it, that's that, that's mm-hmm. not sustainable. Yeah, and so through that, I was able to get involved and meet other executives and other colleagues and. It was, it was wonderful because I was mentored. And then I met Kurt Barwis, who's the CEO of Bristol Health, at a conference, actually. So here I am, early careerist, starting my career. And I'm like, I'm going to go to this national conference because I hear a lot of CEOs are going to be there of hospitals. And so I did. And I was able to meet really wonderful people. And then he tapped me to join Bristol Health eight years ago to say, hey, I need to build a facility, a medical care center, and I think you'd be perfect for it. And I'm like, me? (laughs) I was networking and putting yourself out there. And I was also through getting involved in committees um, through the professional associations was how I made friends in Connecticut. And they saw my work through committees and, you know, following up and coming up with ideas and program planning. So it was a way to showcase your work without actually having to tell people what you did. And that was very powerful. That, that's
0: honestly, that's so powerful in all aspects. And, and just in the world of like small business, and when you're trying to build and grow and develop something, I love hearing like the crossovers, um, and how you can just learn from different people in different pockets, different industries. Because I think too, with us, that's been really a great experience for me being a friend of yours and being able to have these different conversations. But like, the power of just putting yourself out there and showing up in rooms that you might not think you belong in, but like, it's a place for you to kind of learn and grow and going and showing up and, uh, you know, throwing yourself into just, you know, trying or volunteering and, and just showing people who you are and what you can do. And if you don't know how to do something, it's a good way to learn how to do something too. So, so I love that because that's how I, that's how I met Tiff. Tiff. we were on a, on a board together trying to create a new new organization underneath um, yeah. another organization. And so we both served on a board and that's how we became friends. But we both had that same heart of service and creating yeah. a solution and creating resources and help for other people. And it was just like, you know, just, just showing up in that way, then develop this like incredible friendship. So you just never know what comes from those opportunities of you just putting yourself out there.
1: And that's such a great point, too, because when I started Monarch PR, uh, an industry that I knew nothing about, I said, okay, what tools do I have available to me to find who those leaders are in in this space? And then figuring out, is this the space I want to be in when I was doing my due diligence of is a PR firm really what I want to create? Because of my multi-passionate loves of being really good at a lot of things, multi-passionate
0: then- loves—that's I mean, that's what I'm going to use when people say you do so many things. It's like multi-passionate love. Yeah,
1: you're a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Exactly. I just think it's PR spin. You you are good at your job. You know, yeah, and so I attend. I joined the uh, Professional Association for Public Relations. Uh, in the state of Connecticut. I went to their summer social, actually like this time last year. And I was like, I'm going to be bold. I'm not even going to tell them about my healthcare experience. I'm just going to say I'm a healthcare executive transitioning to starting my own company. And the level of support I got from that room of public relation executives from wow. different industries, from corporate to nonprofit to the education space. We're like, go girl, this is so exciting. And I'm like, wow, I'm in the right room. I literally went to my first networking event for public relation um, professionals, and I felt nothing but support, nothing but like a community that's willing to help me and meet with me. And it was just almost like the reassurance that I made the right decision in yeah. moving into this space.
0: That's what I kind of love about like things now I've been doing what I'm doing for like 22 years, being an entrepreneur and just starting businesses, but it has not always been that way. And it hasn't always been as easy, but with that said, and not that it's, that it's easy because by any means y'all is not Mm -hmm. easy, but with that said, there is definitely so much more in terms of resources and community and seeing other women like you doing the same things and then coming together and saying, how can I lift you up and vice versa And I feel like for a long time, that wasn't always the case. Um, And so I feel like now it's like, there's no excuses. It's like, if you have a dream or if you have something that you want to go for, like, never doubt yourself or be like, oh, well, I haven't done that before. I haven't, I'm not really sure. You'd be amazed, like the skill sets of whatever industry you were in, the skill sets that you develop that. You can apply into the next things that you're doing, or there's like crossover because you're. I feel like you're also you're having like a crossover effect happen because you have your PR firm, but you're still in the health
1: field yeah. and, and things like and, that, right? And that was incredible to to not completely have to walk away from something, but actually be in a position where I can blend the skill sets I love to do and get paid for it which is oh, incredible. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I was very transparent about when I joined um, the firm, a uh, company I'm at. And I said, listen, I just started Monarch PR. I would love this opportunity, but will that be a conflict? Uh, and they said, absolutely not. And yeah. to me, that showcases how forward thinking this company is and yeah. how organizations need to learn that, especially the Gen Xers, the Gen Yers, they're, they're not about just one traditional role. There's so many people doing multiple things that we have to adapt to that. Because if you don't, that's why we have the workforce crisis that's happening right now across the country. And it's funny listening to you too, talking about like people stepping outside of their comfort zone. To me, I attended this incredible conference, the Latinas in Power Symposium, where I was in a room full of 400 Latinas in Connecticut. I never meet Spanish women (laughs) in Connecticut and to be in a room of a, a bunch of women who are powerhouses and uh, experts in their field, you know, the keynote was Yvette Pena, who is a vice president at AARP. And she gave this incredible keynote about legacy and how so many of us are first generation Latinas who are born here in this country. And that a lot of our, our, you know, parents and grandparents left their country with nothing to pursue the opportunity to, to make something happen for their family, something better. And when I think about making like bold moves or even just trying to like put myself out there for my business or, you know, pitch a proposal, I'm like, this is insignificant compared to what my grandma did when she came and left this country. And we yeah. have to put that in perspective because it's it's what what our ancestors wanted for us. So it's like helping retell that story of what is your legacy. And like, if you think about your grandmother or your great grandmother looking at her ancestors you know her generations yeah. are you making her proud with the decisions that you're doing and are you following your passion and being a person full of joy and happiness and spreading your light
0: i love that yeah and and you I, i'm a big believer that when you step into that space and you show up in that way you inadvertently give permission to other people to do the same. And mm-hmm. so when you just like are 100% of everything that you are and you get real comfortable with it, which it's uncomfortable to get there. But when yes. you do, it's like, it, it truly is just like another, like, it's like, a, it's like a cheat code. It's like an unlock code that happens. Um, and you just start to experience life in a different way and you start to view things in a different way from like a, a bigger perspective um, and through you. the lens of, of different things, whether it be through the lens of like the generations before you um, and things like that. And now, so you real humble because you didn't mention the fact that you um, also uh, were were honored or like <laughs> you, got, you got a, a little award or something when you yes. were dead?
1: Yeah, I was actually acknowledged as the Latina champion for this year, and I was among incredible women who lead organizations to help with youth and preventing violence with youth. And for me, it was actually some of my civil service work that I do. So when COVID hit, I felt this resounding need to want to help with our servant-style leadership. And I said, what can I do to make sure that I'm making an impact? And I joined the Connecticut Public Health Association, and I became uh, involved with our advocacy because I felt like there are so many things that happen at a level of policy that people just don't realize or don't have time, and they're always reacting. And what can I do to be a leader, to help bring voices, to let them know you do have a say, and we're better in, in numbers? And so I became advocacy chair during at the peak of covid and um, a lot of my work is uh, mentoring interns at various grad school programs, like at the Yale School of Public Health and Southern. And we work together to track legislative bills, to just inform our committee members about advocacy um, bills that might impact them, their communities, like period poverty was huge that we were supporting last year. You know, yeah. all girls should have access to um, period products at school. And you'd be surprised to know that they don't. So can you yeah. only imagine you know, having to deal with the hormones and school and impact of society with being at school and then getting your period and not realizing, and not even the nurse, having anything to give you for that situation. So that was a bill that we taught. And then this year we were super excited. we were very passionate about advocating for community health workers. So that's another field in healthcare that people usually don't think of um, because there's always nursing or doctors or PAs, but a community health worker is someone who's in the community helping advocate and be a liaison between the hospitals and the community. And they actually are all grant funded. So there's very little support for community health workers unless you have grants. And so we actually helped uh, advocate for them to get reimbursement for Medicare and Medicaid for insurance so that it could be a job where it's something that people can have consistently. And a lot of these community health workers are people who had a community health worker help them or their family, yeah. and they wanted to become one because they saw the impact it had on their lives. So wow. it's awesome.
0: It's wow. so crazy. There's so, la- so many layers to this. And if y'all haven't figured out already, Tiff, you're amazing in all the things that you do. And I'm sure sometimes... I, I can relate when people kind of hear some of my stuff and they're like a little overwhelmed. They're like, girl, you do so much. And when I listen to you, I'm like, girl, you do so much. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm like, I get it. And I, I totally understand yeah. your heart for that. But with that said, what is that like doing so much? And then also raising a family because, girl, you have babies in the mix of all these things you described. <laughs> so I know, um, I managing that. Talk, tell it. Speak to the ladies listening, like, girl, how do I do all those things, have babies and still be
1: breathing? <laughs> I know. Have babies, advocate, and and have multiple jobs. And I think it has to do with, you know, having an incredible partner. Um, yeah. I'm so blessed to know Mike and what a wonderful partner he is to you. And you guys complement each other so well. So I just need to give a huge shout out to your husband oh, <laughs> because he is the backbone to help be who you are. And I feel the same way with my husband, Ryan. Who literally supports all my crazy dreams. (laughs) And he's like, okay.
0: That's for sure.
1: (laughs) They go on.
0: So boring without me. Like, I say that all the time. (laughs)
1: I'm like, I bring so much color to your life. It's (laughs) like,
0: they love it. And that's why they've been with us for so long. But I'm just like, you know, you're just crazy. You're still here.
1: So you enjoy some of <laughs> I, And I know you celebrated a wonderful career uh, anniversary milestone with him, which mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm married now six years, which feels like nothing, but um, excited to be married forever, hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah, having a supportive husband who supports my crazy and also, um, you know, finding help as needed. I actually left my job at the hospital. And one of the reasons I started Monarch PR was because the schedule wasn't flexible to my current family situation. And at a hospital job, you have to be there no matter what. And so given that I lost my childcare, I had a wonderful older woman who would come and take care of my daughter. And she she got diagnosed with diabetes and got health issues. And she said, I'm so sorry, but I can't continue to help you. And she gave me plenty of notice, which I thought, oh, that's great. You gave me two months notice. I could find someone in two months. Absolutely not. So actually that's the next cause that I'm going to be very much advocating for is better child care coverage for working moms because it is so I I, my family's all in New York. So I only have myself and then my in-laws, but they're in their seventies and they're, you know, not able to care for them like a younger person would. So as much as they help so expensive too. So So there's that that aspect.
0: Exactly. <laughs> you're like you Sometimes you're. For some people, I mean, they're going to work just to pay for childcare. And for me, I'm just like, well, man, if I'm going to do that, then I might as well just like be here and try to figure out some other kind of odds and end job I can do in between, right? Because that's what so ends that's up true. happening. Like you're working to pay
1: for someone to watch your child. So it's not to mention you're putting your kid and in their trust of someone else and then feeling the mom guilt. Like I had to let that go really long time ago because I felt like childcare was teaching my kids how to use a fork, how to potty train. But at the end of the day, I'm like, it takes a community in a village to raise the kids. And I didn't have that. We We were so fortunate that back then, like, I think this generation of like, we love to travel. Like I get that all the time when I'm traveling with my kids. That that people, the older people, look at us and they like cross-eyed because they're like, you know, you know, when I was your age, we didn't go on vacation when we had kids. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but if I don't go on vacation, I don't see my family, so I need to do that. And it's it's just a different world, and we're held to different standards. And like it's, yeah. we, they're trying to be the perfect wife and and a working professional executive, but also a mom and present and at the baseball games and PTA. Yeah. You need multiple people to help you. So that was one of the driving forces of starting my own company was that I just could no longer accommodate the hospital work schedule. And mm. so my husband was very supportive of that. And I still don't have stable child care, but I'm <laughs> hoping to find someone. It's been six months. Uh That, you know, can really just make it work. Or, you know, I had one of our dear friends, Charlie was like, maybe it's God showing you that you can handle it, Tiffany, and that you're finally developing balance in a way that because you don't have this nine to five anymore, you have that flexibility to still do all those things. But, um, It is. It's all about prioritizing what's important and okaying to say no. Like I almost want to create a no calendar. Like every time I say no to something, if I get to 20, I can like treat myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did, I did a year of yes. That was like Shonda Rhimes. She got, she sucked me in with her book. It's called, it was called a year of yes. And I was constantly that person. Like, I think at that point in my life, I was working so much that, um, I wasn't saying yes to anything outside of work. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. everything was work related. Um, and so I had this year of yes, of just exploring all these different other things and trying to figure out who is Ashley outside of just like working all the time. And a lot of times working was like my, my coping skill with other things. So I had to like navigate a lot of personal things in that year of yes. But, um, But, and then I needed a year of no, because then it was just like, I was saying yes to too many things and now getting sucked dry. So it's a balance. And I think it's, it's ebbing and flowing. I did an episode um, the other day with someone and they had talked about that, about, you know, even just like your spiritual journey and and how God moves in your life. It's like water and it's always kind Mm. of, it's always flowing, but it's just like, you know, sometimes you hit some rocks along the way, or sometimes, you know, things happen, but it's always moving. Like you never really want to be stagnant. Um, but one of the things you mentioned before, too, about going to these events, that these conferences, keynote speakers, really finding those voices of um, people that you can listen to and be encouraged by, whether it's in podcasts or um, going to conferences, because that was a huge moment for me when I actually listened to this keynote speaker that talked about seasons and life being in mm-hmm. seasons. And I try to do all the things because that's what we always do. And I still do to some capacity, but there is this like boundary that I have now. And then also this realization of just like, you know what, this is the season I'm in right now. And it's okay. And I'm not gonna take on that. That can wait. Um, and it really was surrounding my kids at that time. And I was working and I was experiencing that mom guilt and all of those things that most women experience. But I also realized that I didn't have enough. I did have enough room to take a step back and actually choose my family. And so like, if you just reprioritize things a little bit, you can make the right things work and you have that control. It's just giving yourself that space to figure it out. And then just realize that, you know, this can wait. This is the season you're in today. And this is what you can do now. And then, and you know what I mean? Like so I feel like with with you with where you're at with that. I love how Charlie mentioned that. It's like, you know, sometimes like this is exactly where you're supposed to be and yeah. the right, you know, person will come along for for those kiddos at the time that it's right for you to expand and who knows? That's when that's when your your PR stuff is going to pop and then that's when you're
1: <laughs> Yeah, and and you're right. It's this it's the season you're in and I think what we struggle with is when we see our peers or our network yeah. It's selling. like I just posted this Instagram the other day of like everyone I know is in Europe but me right now and I'm like it's not my season Tiffany you will get your glamorous Europe trip be <laughs> soon maybe girls trip um Girl, if you can get me on a plane just sit there long enough but and and um. You know, you talk about the spiritual journey as I wear my prayer warrior T-shirt. I always oh. tell people that uh, first and foremost, I'm a prayer warrior. And that goes back to the legacy of what my grandmother was. She was an evangelist and she led churches in Dominican Republic. And she was this tough lady who would go to the corners uh, in Washington Heights and talk to the drug addicts and say, let me pray for you. And mm. so for me, I feel like I really embodied that when she passed away on Valentine's Day last year. It's actually going to be uh, yeah a year ago. And so um, you would really enjoy this because you're really into spiritual things, but I'm 33 years old and someone was telling me how Jesus died in oh his last God. years on earth was he was 33 and people can have transformational years like Jesus did. And I'm like, I think I'm having my Jesus here, Like my God <laughs> right now. And it's a transformation spiritually, professionally, um, emotionally, with even my evolution of my relationships with my parents, of how I need to be there more for my mom, not just from a mother daughter, but from a mother who's also, uh, I'm a mom now too. So yeah. I can per- per- give her more perception that way. And I'm like, wow, transformation. It's like transforming your mind when you, you see yourself, things that you used to have major FOMO about, you don't have FOMO about anymore. Yeah. And um it just shows their growth too. I guess that's what like our thirties are about.
0: Yeah. I think I think that your thirties truly are it's not your twenties discovering who you are at all. I think your twenties mm-hmm. is like when you're making the mistakes, you're trying different things, you know, you're just kind of like exploring the world. And yeah. then in your thirties, it's like you're exploring yourself and, and who yeah. you are. And so it's funny you say that because I had that realization actually not that long ago that it was at 33 when I decided, honestly, that I wanted to begin my healing process. And I wanted to start on this journey of, you know, kind of figuring out from the traumas that I experienced before I was struggling, I was having PTSD. And, you know, all these things were going on, and I was struggling with depression. And I was just kind of like, at 33, I just decided I wanted to kind of live life in a different way. I wanted to know who I was. I wanted to know you know more, and at the time I didn't know Jesus. I didn't really have a relationship with God either, um, and that wasn't necessarily on my radar. It was just like I need to heal, and I want to begin this process. And so it was thirty three when I really started down that path of spirituality and exploring different things and um, different modal modalities of just like peace. And mm-hmm. um, you know, through that, it eventually brought me to the space of knowing Jesus and getting saved, and. I mean, once, once you're in that space, it's such an experience, so profound for me personally. And and you've, you've been a part of that journey as well. um, And a witness to it that it's just like, there's just no denying. And once you get to that space of comfort within yourself and, and just healing all of those pieces, I mean, that's when you really, truly discover you and your purpose. And like, you know, we don't always have all the answers, but you just show up in the world a different way. Um, and that's kind of where I, I feel like I am today, but, um, but yeah, but and you've had
1: I'm driving and that's why people hate getting older. Like let's not even talk about all the cosmetic stuff that's out there. Cause don't get me wrong. I want a mommy makeover very badly. <laughs> I had two C-sections, but I also think about like, wow, I can't wait for my forties because wow. I just feel like it's going to be like the knowing who I am and then having the wisdom, of all that years of knowing that to like really enjoy life, you know? Yeah,
0: <laughs> and honestly, I'm like, well, on my way to, to that because garage turned 40 next year and I was just like, and uh, P.S., I didn't know you were even this young, okay? So now I feel even older. I literally feel since forever. I probably know this and I know you're younger, but like, dang, okay. You're old soul. <laughs> you're an old soul, that's for sure. But yeah, so I'll be 40 next year and that's exactly what I feel. I feel like literally I've just come to this place of just wholeness and I just see those pieces coming together. And by 40, girl, that whole decade is going to be, like, I'm, I'm Fabulous.
1: excited. I, so, getting yeah, I cannot wait to see Ashley Stone in her 40s. Like, it's going to be you, Shark Tank, deals. It's going to be glo- global traveling. I just, yes, I can't wait. Yes, it's gonna be- big, things, big things
0: to come. I'm excited. But speaking speaking of in the last piece of just, um, just touching on, like, our friendship piece of this and just surrounding yourself with people that – um, like I said, never mind inspirational words and thoughts, but just people that you can just connect with because if you've always been that person, um, for me that I've been able to just be 100% myself in all things, like to have a friendship like that, or a kinship with someone to be able to do that. And just the way you love people so unconditionally and the way you show up as, as you are, whether you're navigating it or, or who cares? Like we, we can sit in the mess together and walk through it. And still love, love each other on the other side. But with that, nice. through COVID, this was my COVID buddy, her and Charlie, which I did a podcast with Charlie already. We need to do another one with, with the three of us. We um, did. Yeah. <laughs> we all did it on here. But um, through, through COVID, through all of that transition, through all my pivots, um, Tiff was one of those girls for me that we just, whether it was through Instagram prayer every day um, or Zoom calls or texts, anything. Just being that like person that you could have these conversations, these real conversations where you're scared and you're nervous mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is that's going on in your life. Um, but through that, your spirituality truly taught me so much. So when you talk about your grandmother evangelizing, I mean, you truly presented the word of God to me and made it made it palatable for me to understand. Mm-hmm. And, and and I've never really actually shared this, so I guess I'm sharing it now in this episode. <laughs> Hi, oh my God. It was your diligence every single day, sending a prayer. I didn't know how to pray. And I was having these spiritual experiences. And at the same time, God gave me this friend that I actually already had, but had her showing up in this way of sharing prayer with me, which we didn't do before. And so it was just like Mm -hmm. every day to have that consistency and just keep being who you are and still remaining consistent. And and that consistency is really truly what continued for me to be curious and um and show up in it.
1: So that's amazing. And you're you're gonna touch people in ways that I can never touch. And that's just the beauty of God making us all individual and uniquely made. He knew everything. And Mm -hmm. it's you know, there's so many times when we get angry and we don't understand. But then you reflect, and time goes by, and, and it all it all gets put together, and you're like, wow. I mean, I still have a lot of questions for God when I get
0: up there. <laughs> a lot. Figure it all out. That is for sure. Not
1: lifetime. But to the point about friendship and communities, it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about. The types of circles I want to surround myself this this next chapter, especially moving and being in a community where you know I'm growing roots. These are this is going to be where my son goes to school, makes lifelong friends, gets his impressionable uh, you know memories of what his childhood will be like. Very different than mine growing up in Long Island, and I was trying so hard for the last eight years of fitting in and trying to figure out where do I fit in this box that. I see in the circles around me. And I feel like God has just revealed to me, Tiffany, it's your time to just create those spaces. And if you don't see what you're looking for, make it happen. And that's that's what I've been doing. And it's been beautiful because I'm now making these spaces for people to be like, yes. And now it's like finding those, it's like, God, all of a sudden brought me all these people through my entrepreneurship journey of like, yes, you're Latina. Like, it was so funny. I had lunch the other day with her girlfriend. She's just like badass accountant for startups. And she was saying, you know, it's so, so crazy because uh, she actually was a competitive gymnast. Her husband was almost was a former pro football player and um she was talking about how she wanted to do a little bit of botox but like her friends were giving her a hard time about it and she's like "Am I vain?" I'm like no girl you're latina like we love looking good (laughs) and she was just laughing because it's it's just nice having people that you share commonalities with and of course yeah bringing them together but I was just laughing because it's just part of our culture is like we love to look really pretty and (laughs) figuring out ways (laughs) to
0: Oh yeah, I know. Just dress, dress up and and go out and like just enjoy mm-hmm. life. I feel, I feel like that's why I love the Latin culture and I've always been drawn to it because it's just been one of those things that I didn't have a like a big family and so Latin culture is just like big families and the, the families stay whether they like or love each other like they're, they're and then <laughs> it's like the family is extended cuz like that's my cousin but it's not really my cousin but that's my cousin cuz we <laughs> yeah. call them so it's like, okay. So it's just like, you know, the family, and the friends, just like the community around that culture was yeah. something so different instead of out for me coming from a smaller kind of family and then also being somewhat disconnected because we moved from Texas to Connecticut and started over. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with that, as I grew up, it was just like, I, I was so attracted by the Latin culture and I've always been around it. And so now I feel like my husband makes fun of me. He was like, girl, you're not Spanish. And I'm
1: like, shut up. Yeah, you're- Spanish, okay, and you know to that point, what you're doing in Keller. Um, I went out the other night in Long Island, in Patchogue. So 10 years ago, this was like a dumpy town. No one ever went out there. It was like where all the potheads used to go when we were like growing up and going out. And now literally this city is thriving with all these amazing restaurants, housing popping up. My brother actually moved downtown to Patchogue and we were celebrating um, his housewarming. And so we were all going out with all his friends and he's 25. And I just. I just couldn't believe, like, I said, wow, look at the way this town became transformed because a mayor believed in this city, waterfront um, city. And he said, this can be something incredible. And he got the business community behind it, believing this vision. And now 10 years later, it is one of the hottest places that young people want to live. And being in my new role as executive director for the health council, You know, I I now want to be able to create that. And I'm in a position that I can to make Connecticut a place where people don't want to leave, make it a thriving place that if I wanted to go out and have an amazing time out on the town, it could be an experience where it's available to me and easily, you know where you work, where you eat, where you play. And so getting exposed to that is something that I'm very excited to be part of because I am keeping my roots in Connecticut. I will always be traveling, but, yes. <laughs> but Connecticut is- I will never get you out. I thought I would be there forever,
0: but I'm gonna be honest. I thought I'd be there forever because I thought I'd get stuck there forever. So <laughs> Yeah. We talked about leaving so many times and, and I think part of it too was just like, you know, there's a comfort, level. There's a comfort zone. It's smaller. You can access the city. You can, there are so many like great things about Connecticut as well, or just like where it's located. Um, and then there's other aspects where I just felt like I was just hitting a, a, like a ceiling, like just a wall where I was just like, I am not as far as who I am as a person. I didn't get it. I didn't realize how much that was the case until I left. And I realized how much more of myself I was able to expand um, that I couldn't do there in the same yeah. way. No, um, totally.
1: I, and but, I get that and I'm still finding yeah. art people in pockets, but you no, know, it's just having that vision to saying maybe in 20, 2035, when my son graduates high school, he'll be like, no, I like Connecticut. It's cool. Cause I wouldn't want him to move away from me. <laughs> so I'll go wherever he goes.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm so glad right now. Mine is, mine is home for right now. But, um, and, He likes Texas. Both my kids like Texas. So it ended up it ended up working out for us. But for sure, it's like kind of the same thing. It's like when we came here, it was just like, if you don't see what you're looking for, you know, create it. And so in Mm -hmm. some capacities, like it was everything I wanted it to be. And in other capacities, I'm like, I wish this existed. And like, this is this exists elsewhere, so why not here? So let's let's create these opportunities. Um, that's what we did with the Hispanic. Going back to my love for Latin people, um, <laughs> we created the the first Hispanic Latin celebration uh, heritage during Heritage Month, uh, September to October, um, in Keller, which it had never um, been here before, and it was so cool because when we did that. Um, at the time when we moved to the area that we moved to, we were like, "Where's all the Spanish people?" And, Ma- <laughs> and Mike was like, "There's no Puerto Ricans here. I know that." <laughs> it's Just like, "There's Puerto Ricans yes. like it. everywhere."
1: Enchiladas and, and rice and beans.
0: Oh, They're- girl, we tried. We, I mean, <laughs> we got to drive a little bit. We found one really good restaurant called Adobo, and they have like fungo. They got they have everything. But yeah, well, we have to drive. It. We have to drive out to it. But I was just like, you know, I I would love this because what I love about the culture is like. I want my kids to still be able to see that somewhere and my kids are half Spanish. So I was just like, let's, let's just create it. And then it was really funny. Cause at first, of, of course, when I came up with the idea and I'm like running around town and I'm like the Hispanic and they're looking at me like, girl, what? Where's he? <laughs> <laughs> Where's he from? And then the time they're like, now everybody knows my husband, but, um, but it was really funny, but we did that. And the coolest thing about that, I will never forget this one woman. There were about 250 people that attended. Um, Really, people from all over the town, and then also like a lot of Spanish people. So it was such a mix. It was like a hybrid of just all these different um, cultures experiencing Spanish culture. And so this one woman, she was, um, she was Hispanic, and she was standing next to me, and she was older, and she just like kind of looked around, and I'm like, "Are you okay? Like, do you need anything?" And she was like, "She was very te- like." watery eyed. And she looked at me and she goes, thank you for doing this. And she goes, I've never seen so many of my people in one place where I live. And so she's been here for like 15 years and she just hasn't seen something like this in our area. So it was just like, you don't realize the impact too of what you make that when you see people and you show up in that and you show up for them. um, It was just one of like, it's a moment I'll never forget. And it was just so special. And we hugged and. It was just, but
1: and, and you know, I think all of our years of waiting or not getting the same exposures, like we're laying that foundation and we're planting those seeds for your, for our daughters and yeah. our granddaughters. And, and to me, that makes it all worth it. Like yeah. everything we we had to go through to get here, because at the end of the day, we're setting, we're setting groundwork for what the future can be. And our mothers <laughs> so did it for us. Uh, huh? I hope to live a long time. I want to be on the Today Show, like the 100th celebration. It's actually one of my goals <laughs> to like be in the peanut butter jelly sign like Tiffany Morrissey turned 100 today. Oh
0: my gosh. Um, I totally want to be that old person that's like still wearing like a hot pink like jumper and like yes. I'm going to be – I'm going to mess with everybody. Like if I'm 100 <laughs> years old, I'm not going to give a shit. I'm literally going to be like just living my <laughs> life and I'm just going to be like – I'm gonna wear the like latest. Like I'm gonna just look so cool. I'm. I'm You're gonna be, go, be the coolest 100 year old. Person. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally doing it in every way. And I'm just gonna shock people. I'm gonna say random things because I'm old and I can do that. Like
1: okay. <laughs> there is there is a level of like you get away with stuff when you yeah, get to. A school. I'm yeah.
0: totally gonna be, take advantage of that and then act like I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm a hundred. <laughs> you know, just gotta, gotta deal with grandma. Like well, I don't know
1: what's going on today. <laughs> totally gonna be that person. I love it. I love
0: I'm it. I'm getting old, but I don't, you know, I want to live as much of my life as possible and enjoy every, every bit of it. And I just love that I'm in that space too of just, and that's how I approach life, right? It's just like having that, that, that thought process of like, when you get to that place where you can show up in gratitude and everything. And, and I think that's why once you get to like a certain age and that's why wisdom comes because you've experienced so much in life, you realize like, you know what, hard times are going to come, but they're going to pass. And, you know, tough experiences you're gonna have to, you know, be challenged with, but that's how you learn. So like you start to just kind of like put the put the good to the bad and and figure out how to navigate it and um and realize there's just so much more to life.
1: And you're right, it's just about taking that first step of realizing and acknowledging today, I want to be different. And what habit can I change to be different or better or people that I want to surround myself with? And it's okay if I mess up and I decide I didn't get to it today, but there's tomorrow. And I yeah. love that about the ge- younger generation that they they are very much so forgiving of themselves, where mm-hmm. we are um, the hustle culture of like, if we didn't do this by then, like we're failures and that's one thing that I do foresee being wonderful, that failure is going to be just inevitable, but they're like, we'll try again tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Which is cool. You know what? It's funny. I never really thought of it like that. Um, that is so true how each like generation, and it's probably because we're like that in between generation. It's like we, we came from hardworking parents and mm-hmm. and that's like all it was. But then we got the, okay, we have to hard work too, but guess what? We have children that we want to be present for. And, and engaging and, and take them and do stuff and vacation. Whereas like when we were kids, we didn't get really to either we were lucky if we went on vacation. And and if we did, it was just like, you know, it was really more our parents on vacation and we're we're there and I don't know, I did like camping stuff. So the vacation was found also vastly different.
1: <laughs> well feeling like I was winning at life because I never got to go to camp as a kid. And mm. I put my kids in camp and my son loves camp. And I'm like, wow, I'm already winning at life because my kid's doing something that I never got to do in my childhood. And, you know, one thing though, I I, I gave credit to the younger generation, but I got to give credit to the baby boomers is that they're resilient, man. Like yeah. they are emotionally so tough. Oh, when I see mother and I go through cancer, like the worst kind of cancer where every time someone told, her, you know, every time she told someone I have bile duct cancer, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. 20% survival rate. She is my walking miracle. Oh and she has been God. in remission for two years, healthier wow. than ever. And I'm like, thank you, God, for your amazing prayers. But that woman, her whole cancer journey, her whole chemo—it was like it didn't even phase her. People didn't even know she had cancer because she she was so strong and tough. And like, I was—that so, was so honorable because I thought about it like, I mean, if I got cancer, even if I thought I had something, I would be like crying oh <laughs> in the world. And like, she was just this like strong resilient person that had this will to say, no, I'm going to be great. And we're just going to keep going. And I got to go to this chemo appointment, but I'm okay. Yeah. And um, there's something to be said about that resilience. Yeah.
0: yeah. Trying to strike that balance, right? We're, we're kind of caught in the in-between. Trying to strike that balance <laughs> with our kids. Teach them resiliency. Teach them all the things. But yeah. it's 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 a it's a wild world we live in currently. So I, I mm. kudos to anyone. Because you know what? If you struggling, we all struggling because it is, it is a different world out there and it is always changing and culture. And so I think like a big word for me too is grace. Like give yourself grace, you know, do the best you can show up with the right attitude, but then also know like dishes will be there tomorrow or like whatever, um, whatever it is that you're facing, you can just get up and try again. Right.
1: Um, Cause it's, yeah. it's it's, it's, a lot of it's so funny because actually I was telling someone the other day. So one of my new passions that I'm going to be pursuing is, you know, how um, Jewish kids have Hebrew school and Greek kids have Greek school. So through um, the Latinas Empower Symposium, I met this amazing woman, Adriana, who's the executive director for SCOW, which is the Spanish community of Wallingford. And it's a nonprofit that helps family immigrant families acclimate to Connecticut and help them get the resources they need because of the language barrier. And I, I was talking to her over coffee and I said, you know we should have a Spanish school. Cause someone like me who speaks fluent Spanish is really struggling teaching her kids Spanish and being biracial. Like yeah. how can I create resources? Cause I, I didn't find any, I said, I, I want to put my kid in Spanish school, but in the public school system, they don't learn language till they're in middle school. And mm-hmm. the research says you need to ingrain that early in the el- elementary school years, like toddlers. And so she goes, that's a great idea. Let's start a Spanish school. So I'm, I'm on that pursuit right now of uh, creating a school. I already have 15 families interested in teaching their children how to speak Spanish. And they have the facility. They have the teachers. So we're trying to figure out how to put that program together so that I have my child will learn formally Spanish. And that'll be part of his culture that he'll always remember. Because at the end of the day, I think about what are the things I want to pass on to my children? It's my faith in Jesus Christ, their, their language of speaking Spanish and, and also just the, the food and how to cook it. So for me, it's like, I would tell my husband, if I die, our children better be fluent in Spanish and go to church. And he goes, okay. <laughs> we we got to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I got you. If anything you're, happens, i like, mine. Yes. Remind <gasps> him. Remind him for sure. So oh yeah, so, so we'll see where that goes. But I'm really excited about it because I search exhaustively for something for Ryan and I need, couldn't find it. So we'll see.
0: Awesome. Well, I love you for your heart, your mind, and just creating creating things that you wish existed in the world um, and pursuing every, every bit of that. So thank you for coming on here and uh, sharing some of that insight, girl, because we all need to to hear either other women that are just like us um, that are doing all the things or be inspired by women doing all the things and go, how do they do that? Um, and how can I do some of that too? So it is possible. And it's definitely not for everybody. Um, definitely. It's like, a, it's, it's a, I always say it's not for the faint of heart, but um, <laughs> if you are that person, we are your tribe. 100%. we <laughs> Um, doing all the things. So is there any lasting words or advice or things you'd like to share before we wrap up this podcast? episode?
1: I guess from all of our wonderful conversation, it's really just to continue to be authentically you and not fear um, how you would present yourself in a situation. Because when things come from the heart, they come across so genuine and people really resonate with that. So the next that. time you're up on a decision or an important event, be you. Don't be who you think they're gonna want they're gonna want, but be who you wanna be.
0: I love that. And and be you even if you make mistakes and even if you trip up on your words or and this that's the other thing. It just it makes you just more human. That's all more relatable. Um, perfect. Um, I love that advice. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And then how can people follow some of what you have going on? Is there is there a place they can yes. check? Yes.
1: Yes, I have an Instagram handle, Monarch with a C-P-R. So there's no H at the end. And I also have different. (laughs) No, so um, my Instagram handle is at Monarch PR. Happy for anyone who wants advice. I'm happy to have conversations with people. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, Tiffany Morrissey. And then I have a brand boost newsletter if you want to sign up to just get some fun tips and tricks on all things branding. Um, So appreciate it.
0: Perfect, awesome, and we'll link all of that stuff in the captions of this episode. We hyperlink, so no excuses. Just go ahead and click that. Give her a follow. Check out everything she has to offer, and um, stay tuned because I am sure there will be so much more she'll be offering and doing in the future. Well, thanks again, Tiff, for joining me on this episode, girl. I, right in the beginning, I kicked my shoes off. I was like, oh, I'm here with my girl, so we we talking. So, <laughs> Thank
1: you. Was so happy. This is amazing. Yes. All right.
0: Well, we'll have to come back again for sure with our our third friendship in this the, uh, in the sisterhood of the traveling pants right here. That's what we call ourselves. Um, her name is Charlie. Check out her episode. Um, we did, I think she's like the fourth or fifth episode. I don't know early on, but we got to come back to the table with all three of us and, and share okay. all the things with us. Uh, talk thank about you. powerful women coming together. So thank you for always being that person for me and praying for me and um, being. Such a- love you. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Thank you guys for listening and stay tuned till next time. Bye. Thanks for kicking it with me until the end. If this episode inspired you, share it with a friend because when we learn, we live and we can all use a pick me up. I would love to see if you benefited or enjoyed this episode. Use the hashtag beauty behind chaos podcast. See you next time, beauty.